0: UFT Stephanie
1: All right,
0: you know what? I I was fired for not getting the COVID shot. Former UFT, so you didn't stand up for us. Okay. You allowed us okay. to go okay. without due process. We're okay. not here to make a scene. She asked. I was just letting her know. Yeah. We don't count, right? Now you understand. You got us fired. This is not the place
2: okay. now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the baseline. It is a misty, foggy afternoon here in New York City, and um, on the line I have a good friend of mine, a freedom fighter, who has been prolific and outspoken on the front line of the medical freedom movement. Today we are joined by my good friend, the founder of teachingliberty.org. You can go and get your pencil and please get ready to take some notes. Um teachingliberty dot org was founded by my friend Stephanie Edmonds. Are you on the line, Stephanie?
0: Yeah, I'm here. What's going on? Thank you so much for all the kind words, the great introduction. That was way better than anything I could have you know, how sometimes people say write me your introduction. Like how you want me to introduce you, but man, that was thank you so much. Uh, I'm blessed and, and honored and humbled. Thank you.
2: Oh well, you know, you're you're no slouch when it comes to media production yourself. You you kinda jumped right into media production in response to the emergency that we were facing a few years ago. Um, were you already doing that kind of work before um, the emergency was starting to unfold or was that something that you quickly jumped into in reaction to the situation?
0: You know, I had started my YouTube channel in the summer of 2019. Something, I was, I'm a, a big YouTube head. Mm-hmm. I like to say, or, uh, you know, I'll watch rumble or the other platforms too, but you know, YouTube's the, like the Google of video sites. Um, so I started my channel and it was originally called class disruption and I was a teacher at that time. Right. Um, and actually let me just pause. Or, you know, I'm going to pick up on that story in a second. The video, well, you played the audio of a video mm-hmm. of me confronting Randy Weingarten, who's the head of the American, um, American Federation of Teachers, the second largest teachers union in the country. She's the head of the union I used to be a part of when I was a teacher in New York City, and when the mandates came down, they didn't stand up for us at all. So I highly encourage people to go to TeachingLiberty.org, check me out on social media at Teaching Liberty, and you can see that video which has gone, you know, pretty viral. It's got uh, almost 150,000 views. So um, that's a little bit of my backstory there. But, um, so that brings us, you know, back onto our original <laughs> timeline here right. of, um, 2019. Right. I was a teacher at that time and I w- wanted to talk. I wanted to have a platform that was like, you know, I see these guys on YouTube and I'm like, I feel like I could do that. And who wants to watch these, you know, middle-aged kind of like, okay, looking guys when they could watch uh, me, <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know? Um, I felt like there's not a lot, a lot of women in the space. And so there's some, some opportunity in terms of that. And I just feel like I had something to say and that, that I should say it. Um, and I encourage everybody to, to do that, um, in, in your way, whether it's on social media or, you know, if you're not a social media person in your community. So I started this channel and I was making videos really like in the niche of, Teaching, um, reacting or reading articles about education in mainstream media, um, creating sort of like how-to videos, doing some commentary on the state of education. And it was called class disruption. So the idea was I'm going to sort of say some unpopular things, but I'm also going to have um, some ideas about how do you handle that kid, that class disruption in your class. Right. Um, and it, it was a different take on like the equity um, stuff, which was starting to really take over, had been an education very growing in its presence since I entered the classroom in 2016 as a high school teacher. I had been tutoring and stuff before that. Right. So that's a long winded way of saying my channel started in 2019 and sort of like put me right in this place. For when the pandemic hit, uh, or whatever you want to call it, (laughs) you know that situation (laughs) that went down and is still continuing to impact. You know we're in the veil of normalcy right now, but it's still here. Totally, Um, it put me in this position to be able to make content and sort of switch gears as necessary. You know, I had been talking into my phone to no to nobody for you know six or eight months, and then really, you know started to catch on. And so by the time people were watching my stuff, they were like, whoa, you're so good at that. And i was like, yeah, well, I've been talking to nobody for a while, so welcome.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, so it it, it connects well with what I wanted to ask you actually in the first place, which is just give us a description in terms of your life before the pandemic, plandemic, scandemic, scamdemic, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. Um, before COVID started, the COVID period. Oh, and by the way, let me clarify something quickly before I just kind of gloss over that, which is the definition of pandemic was changed. I'm not gonna say to accommodate this event, but not long ago, I think it was about 2012, the definition of pandemic was actually changed. And the definitional change was based on a shift from mortality rates to contagiousness. So basically, according to this new definition, if there is a pandemic cold that spread around the world and everyone pretty much caught the same sort of cold virus, then it's a pandemic. Even if zero people died because of the fact that the virus spread, whereas um, the older definition of pandemic required the, an actual damage to the youthful population of a country. Right, but, like
0: mortality. Yeah,
2: like like the population has been reduced. Yeah. So, you know, that that is one of the ridiculous things to me about this whole situation that we were subjected to is they took this virus with a high survivability rate and they portrayed it as something that we were likely to die from. And the fact of the matter was, if you were in decent health, if you weren't um, 80 years old with multiple comorbidities, you were not likely to die from this virus at all. But yeah, not yeah, too. They had
0: me for a second. I'm not going to lie. They had me for a second in the beginning.
2: Yeah, you know, they had me for a second too, you know, but um not for long. I mean, I really admire the people who just didn't buy it for half a second. I know a couple people who were like that. They just didn't buy it for for even one whole second. But yeah. you know, I was cautious for a moment, but I just started noticing that point by point, by point what they were saying doesn't make sense you know that was what my friend Craig Blue he was a a guest on this program a few episodes ago and um, we were talking about this whole event as it was unfolding and that became a thing where almost like a sitcom we could just look at each other and say it doesn't make sense (laughs) you know but let me ask you give us a description because I think it's really important that people start acknowledging how people's lives were affected by this you know there's this real uh, desire it seems to just gloss over the impacts of these decisions that really put people in desperate situations, and, and there's a lot of people that aren't accounted for in this whole discussion. I mean, people lost their family businesses, they lost their homes, people well, fell I way mean, behind you know, on rent.
0: Meyer, that nobody was forced.
2: Of course. Right. No soldiers knocked on your door and just grabbed you and put it in your arm. So it's fine that they coerced you. (laughs) Coercion is cool. Um,
0: You know, that whole informed consent thing. Like you're just you got to you're all thinking about it all wrong. Let me. I'm just
2: kidding. Yeah, of course. But tell us how tell us how you were affected. Tell us what what um, your, what happened. I mean, you were a teacher. Did did you enjoy your yeah. life as a teacher? I mean, I'm sure you you so, had your challenges, but you were doing your thing, right? And then they kind of just, you know, disrupted your your well being, like all of us.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually producing a documentary that is going to be, you know, and there's it's gonna. We have so many people. We traveled across the country doing wow. interviews, but I'm gonna also be included in it, telling some of this story and really capturing those moments. So I encourage people to check out the, um, like preview reel that we have of that, which is over at restorechildhood.org. And, um, that's what I'm working with to produce this, but I will, um, write that down. Know, everybody. Share, yes. It's called 15 days. So remember that 15 days. Yeah. And it's really focusing on, you know, the, the closure of schools, the impact on children, the parents' movement, um, and and also um, public health. We got to interview amazing doctors across the country who stood up. Probably the names that people will know is like Jay Bhattacharya or mm-hmm. Tracy Hogue. Um, these are people who have been notable since the beginning for speaking out. So very blessed to have had that opportunity, and I hope to be able to share that with the world before the election. So 15 days. Um, but my story is, I was, you know, my goal was to be a teacher. I finally figured out, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the teaching thing. So I went to New York city and went to Brooklyn college and got my teaching uh, credentials and my master's degree and started working at a high school in the Bronx. And throughout that whole time I had been a tutor. And I was teaching phonics and um, and math. And it's to all ages, but most of the kids were elementary school or middle school. And so I also know the like the science of reading, which is what everybody's talking about now. Like I know a structured method for teaching it. Mm. Um, And then I was a high school history teacher because I'm a a history nerd. But interestingly, my most important experience was always teaching phonics. Just the way that it, you know, the kids struggled with reading, so there was that. But just the way that it teaches you about how kids learn and how to um, give positive feedback. And anyways, I digress. So I was in high school teaching in the Bronx. Um, if anybody knows, the Roosevelt Building over in Fordham, on Fordham Road, right by the university and the train station. That's where I used to work. Um, I... Would like to think I was a pretty good teacher. I think my record reflects that. I was highly rated, um, tenured without a question in my fourth year, and then boom, the pandemic. So, um, then we went to online learning, and at first, like I have said, like, they kind of got me in the beginning because in New York City, if you remember, everybody was playing it down. And nobody in my school had heard about it. So everybody I was around didn't really know what coronavirus was. Nobody was talking about it. But I I do like the YouTube thing, and they had been kind of talking about it for a while. And then New York City politicians and bureaucrats started talking about it. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You know, go to the, and it was the Chinese New Year. So they were like, go to the Chinese New Year festivities. Go see movies, this and that. And so I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem right the way that they're just downplaying it. I think that there is something more. I actually took off Friday the 13th and I posted on my social media to my students because I had an Instagram that was like just for my students. And I posted like, I'm not coming into school today because I think that there's more to this coronavirus thing than is being said. And so like I'm using my personal day to like call out and I'm just letting you know, because I think that nobody's talking about it and like you should know. Hmm. Um, and I don't usually do that type of thing. Like, you know, personal is personal, but it felt like there was something off. And then of course, over that weekend they closed down the schools and they were like two weeks. They started doing this two week thing, two week thing, two week thing. Um, and then after the two weeks, I'm like, I feel like it's not as bad as everybody said. You know, I started being like, all right, they're gonna, I, and I started telling my students, I was like, we're definitely going to come back after spring break. And then when they, they canceled the rest of school, that's when I was really like, wow, like this can't go on. I, my kids stopped showing up to class. Um, and you can see, if you look on my YouTube at that time, I did start to make content, like really being like, and I started tweeting like, Hey, like online learning doesn't work. Um, just different things. And I was always hypercritical of Cuomo and the mayor, like even though everybody loved Cuomo. Yeah. So I started noticing like all the cracks. And then of course BLM started all their stuff. And I'm like, wow, they can go out and do that, but we can't do anything else. Like that's crazy. And then I just realized it was just all basically a bunch of nonsense. And when they didn't open the schools fully, that's when I was like, really like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like they're telling these kids not to come to school. And I know that they need to be at school. Um, And then when they closed down the schools again, so in New York city, they closed down all the schools again in November, 2020, because the citywide rate of coronavirus, or I guess we're calling it COVID at that time was exceeding 3%. Like, what the heck does that mean? I don't know, right. <clears throat> but they closed down all the schools again, and I immediately went online, and I started searching for people who thought it was wrong. And then I found this whole group of parents, they had a Facebook group called Keep NYC Schools Open, and I joined, and I just started showing up at their events with my camera, and I you know, introduced myself. And um, there was a couple other teachers that came out a little bit, helped me out a little bit, but I was like the only, basically the only teacher in New York City who stood up and said, open the schools.
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I do believe in giving props where props are due, and that's why I thought it was really important to have you as my guest um, as soon as possible, because, I mean, first of all, you know, you really were a leader. I mean, I I do uh, admire the gusto with which you reacted to the whole situation. You know, people were disoriented, people were scared, people were confused and you were visible, you were outspoken, you were creating really solid media, you were giving voice to others such as myself. I've been featured on your program. We did a chess lesson together, which actually got me clients, which I appreciate. So I think that's really an incredible spirit, basically, to react to what is a crisis situation, but react with creativity and gusto. So you know major props to you for that and um, you know I want to hear what's your understanding in terms of and where do you stand actually in terms of your own case your own rights um, some of the mandates have been lifted some of the legal stuff right. is not very clear yeah, have, have, get
0: have, there. yeah, yeah so have you gotten your I guess job like, back? like after after all the open schools advocacy right then it was okay now we need to get the masks off right and and a lot at next, this time yeah. I also had gotten like a very contentious on twitter hmm. like we cuz especially like, we weren't in school for so long so it was you, i don't know like you don't know i feel like social media proliferated like during it and what do you i don't know like does it impact the school? I don't know. People aren't in school, this and that, but I guess people have been sending my tweets to my principal and this and that. And so I'd in trouble for basically my advocacy around open schools and then being like an anti-masker. Um, and it was causing a stir. <laughs> um, so I had shut down my social media for a while, but then like as soon as the mandate started coming, I was like, well, I'm either going to get fired for being like an anti mask or anti vaxxer on my social media, or I'm going to get fired for not taking it. You know what I mean? So it's like I felt like I had nothing to lose at that point because I was either going to, you know, be right and be able to keep my job because the mandates were going to get knocked down in court, or
2: be right and not keep your job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, be right and not get my job back, which is. What happened? We actually just hit the two-year. Can you believe it? Wow. Two years, man. Two years. October 4th, 2021 was the day when I showed up to school, actually. I showed up to school. I had the CBS crew with me, and they did a little segment of me getting rejected from the building. Wow. Wow. Yeah, wow. so it was, um, yeah, two years. I mean, what crazy. A crazy like, thing. It kind of passed me by. I didn't even think about it. And then I was like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, am I not allowed to curse? Oh, shoot.
2: Yeah, Yeah. well, I, I don't know what our policy is. I think this is an internet radio station. But it is a oh, family-friendly okay. program, though. So okay. let's, oh, shoot. let's hold it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so are you interested in getting your job back? Are people being reinstated? What's the update with... Yeah. teachers who have lost their jobs
0: so there are multiple lawsuits going on ones that represent um, tens of teachers and some that are individual cases and they range on the grounds on which they're filing from religious exemption type of arguments to the due process and more about being a um, a tenured teacher because there's both Union protections that you're supposed to get But there's also like civil servant law In New York State I mean there's like Which normally philosophically I'd be sort of against But like it is the law So Hmm. like you're going to use it Um and I you know those are ongoing You know how the court systems are Every time we get a little win The city immediately appeals And so then that Elongates the timeline And um you know, knocks it down to a different court and then what you understand is that they don't actually always look at all the parts of the case oftentimes they're just looking at this piece or that piece and so it's it, it's an ongoing thing and there's a lot of political pressure so though our courts are supposed to be independent of course that political pressure is uh has infected the courts. <laughs> and so those aren't going, I encourage people to follow along and they can do that at teachersforchoice.org. And that's for spelled out like F-O-R. So teachersforchoice.org. And um, Michael Kane is the founder of that organization. And he posts updates weekly, you know, sometimes multiple times a week about the lawsuits and then just other actions that you can take and to be aware of bills that are going on in the state level, uh, rallies, different things. So teachersforchoice.org is a great resource if people want to get up to date on the legal side of things.
2: Are you Um, interested in having your job back? uh, (laughs) After what you've been through?
0: (laughs) So if we win a case and, you know, have the right to go back, I certainly do look forward to the day that I can walk through those doors and throw a big party, frankly, (laughs) you know, for everybody there. Right. And, and because I think that's important that to say that I was, I was harmed, like I was done wrong by the government and I stood up, stood my ground. It took, it took a while, but we did it and, you know, go back and teach for whatever period of time. Um, But at the same time, I have rebuilt my life. And I long term, I don't want my future to be tied to like my pension, that as we see the cities doing, they can just butt at any time or decide they're gonna reformulate the deal. Right. I want to be in control of, you know, my money, my future, where I go, this and that. But also, I want to be there for my son. I don't want to leave the house at 7 a.m. and get back at 7 p.m. and the whole time he's been in the care of other people, you know, however good those people might be. And, like, that's, it's just, I want to be the one who directs the education and upbringing of my son. And so as I've rebuilt my life, I've intentionally done it as that being the primary factor. And, you know, you have to pay your bills of course, but I've taken a huge pay cut to do that. Right. I could have gone back and gotten a nine to five within the education field or, you know, something more traditional and another one of these um, industries, but I chose not to. And so like now I have my own, whatever, personal, individual business, I guess you could say, Teaching Liberty, and I work with different organizations like Restore Childhood to produce content and a lot of like social media, marketing, but also I write, I make videos, I edit. So if you need anything, hit me up at teachingliberty.org, follow me on Instagram, <laughs>
2: You know, she has an excellent Instagram page, I'll tell you that. She has good little video editing tricks and stuff and just has a bunch of awesome videos like the thing we played at the beginning of the uh show yeah, today. Yeah, like
0: you got to watch the video. Man. We're in we're in Washington DC at the COVID, what are those the the congressional hearings on COVID and and the weaponization of the government or whatever. And uh Randy got called in, Randy Weingarten. And I just happened to be in D.C. on that day. And so I'm like, we've got to go. We're the only ones in that room that were not associated with the American Federation of Teachers. And I had my camera. Oh, man, their panties got in such a tight bunch. And the way that that one woman looks at the camera and she's like, this is not the place.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. Not the place to stand up for yourself. But um, I wanted to uh, ask you about that mask documentary that my son Marcus and I participated in. One day we met near Marcus's school at Central Park and you rolled through with a considerable camera, like a professional real deal camera, and we filmed a, a clip. Is that for the 15 Days project or was that a separate so, but, documentary?
0: Yeah, that was a standalone project on its own it's called I am an anti-masker right right just that was the to title sort of take back that phrase and just be like sure I am an anti-masker and you know why because of this very real reason that you probably aren't even thinking about when you're jamming your thoughts through some ideological lens all the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: so you know whether it's you know my child has a speech delay mm-hmm. or another one um I did with Jubil who's, some, who's another freedom fighter from New York City she's deaf Mm-hmm. And so it's like she literally when she's walking around in the world and everybody's masked, she cannot understand, okay, is this is this person a good person? Is there somebody I should be you know, okay, maybe they're getting into an argument and I shouldn't be around here? Right. Is this person somebody's gonna help me? You know, just asking for directions, like if you ask somebody a question, you can't hear, it, you need to read their lips. Um, we had another woman whose son had food allergies. And if he had to wear the mask, they couldn't see his face to see if he was having an allergic reaction. And he went into anaphylactic shock. Like these super real reasons that people, their brains just like melt and they can't think outside of this. It's just fake politics, it's rhetoric, it's nothing to do with the real world where real people are trying to live. Yeah. Um, so that's called I'm an anti masker and that was also with restore childhood, so when you're going to check out the 15 Days Reel, they can check out those videos. But we certainly will use some of those also in the documentary.
2: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, the mask thing I take very seriously and very personally at this point. I, like we said at the beginning, we bought into this for a minute. We didn't know what was going on. I put on my mask thinking, okay, they're recommending this. I wasn't a guy saying, I'm not going to put anything on my face. Just I, I, if it would help. Well,
0: see, I was with it until they told us to do it. Right, because remember, there was like that whole first month, they were like, oh, no, masks, no, they're no, you know, you don't need the masks. Right. And then they did like a little about face, and they're like, well, you can make one out of a t-shirt, Right. you know, right. and then suddenly, like, Cuomo's out here mandating a mask. And by that time, I was sort of like, all right, I actually don't think that the masks do anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I've been yeah. In the stores, I've been grocery shopping, and like, even when you have the arrows, like, with, you know, I was like, this whole thing is dumb.
2: I mean, I heard Dr. Bhakti criticize the mask early on, and his comment was very severe. He said, if you continue wearing a mask and impeding your breathing in this manner, you will shorten your life. Yeah. So he said it as simply and as clearly as that. But I just find the whole thing so amazing. I mean, the symbolism of it, first of all. I mean, you're covering people's faces. So that's not... Um, very humanizing, I wouldn't say, in the first place. But then, um, you know, I also think it's really important that we don't just do things because we are just told to do things. I think things should make sense. And if they don't make sense, we shouldn't do them. So, you know, the whole thing was really just so fabricated. I mean, first of all, you know, we have Mark Crispin Miller, the NYU professor who actually just lost a legal case Recently his defamation case, which seemed like a legal outrage. I'm not going to try to go into that off the top of my head, but Mark Crispin Miller, the controversial professor, uh, professor from uh, NYU, he got into trouble for simply asking his class to look at the pre-pandemic quote unquote mass yes. studies right?
0: I, I watched it wasn't It wasn't there like a video or something?
2: Um, he's been featured in a lot of different
0: lectures. No, but I definitely read this. I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, so he he just said here, let's take a look at the pre-pandemic studies and what they say about masks, and then let's look at the four studies that just recently just appeared out of nowhere in relation to this event. That's all he said, just let's contrast. And right there they said, no, no, that's going too far. Looking at legitimate documents and contrasting things that you can't do that in a in an institution yeah. of learning. And and you know, I mean, now we have the Cochrane study. So I point out to people, if you're still buying into the mask thing, like I have to say, I find it kinda sad the people who are smart enough to not take the vaccine, but they still want to wear a mask to be a little bit safe. Let me explain to you guys. Masks do not work at all. And it's yeah. been proven. They just did the Cochrane study. That is not just a study, actually. It's a compilation of 72, meta-analysis, yeah, meta-analysis 72 randomized controlled trials, the gold standard, RCTs showing 0% benefit usage in wearing a mask. So let's be clear about that. Zero, guys, not there was 1%. There that
1: just
0: came out that was like a reanalysis by Tracy Hoag. So she's one of the scientists who ran that. It was, like, back in 2021, they did two school districts that were close to each other, that one had a mask, one didn't have mask right. Mandy, and the CDC used it to support mask wearing, of course, right. um, but she just came out with something where they, like, reanalyzed all these studies and showed how ridiculous the conclusions would be based on even their own evidence. Like some of them found negative effects for mask wearing and then would conclude that masks are effective. Mm. And that was actually a big cue for me because, um, I would, you know, was starting to look at some of the research and stuff, trying to figure out, okay, well, what does this stuff mean? First of all, um, and, what I would see was I'd be like, hold on, they're saying here that masks didn't really show an impact. And then in their conclusion, they're making this very, very confident call that masks should be worn in an effort to decrease the coronavirus pandemic. I was like, <laughs> right. I was like That's they, you know, I'm, I can't, understand necessarily the details of all the data and how to read all the charts and this and that, I definitely have to rely on people to filter my information, which can be a tricky thing to do. Um, but I can read some of the stuff. Like I can read statements and and understand that that's what you're saying there. And that's what you're saying here. And the two don't match. (laughs) So that was like, just like the big tip for me over the top of being like, do they work? Do they not work? Should I wear them inside? Should I not wear them inside? Um, you know, cause at first I was, I was like, okay, we should wear the mask. I remember I got my boyfriend, like didn't believe it for one second, any of it. And he's, he was in the travel industry, which, you know, obviously went up end, and he too had to make a whole big transition. Um, but I remember like getting into a fight with him, being like, "You should wear a mask, this and that." And then I remember like a month later, I was like, "I'm so sorry
1: for." Well, me.
2: that was big <laughs> of yeah. you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, then you know? also
2: you you know you have to you're not going to be wearing the mask yourself, so you kind of have to apologize unless you wanted to keep the yeah. front and and be persistent with your mask wearing. But yeah. And there's... I made
0: an apology video too on my YouTube, um, being like, "I was wrong. Like I should never." called for school to be closed, you know, like I, I was wrong. And I think that part of how we're going to move forward. And this is like fall of 2020. I did this. I was like, what people need to do is just admit they were wrong. And then we can start to move on. And of course they didn't, they doubled and tripled and quadrupled. And I don't know, what are we up to? What is it called when you do it for the sixth time? Six uh, couples yeah, or yeah. I don't know.
2: Well, I don't want to mess that sex, one up.
0: Sex-tuples.
2: Yeah. Sex couplet. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it was also just so ridiculous to assume that you're not doing something harmful. Like, yes, you are taking in more carbon dioxide that was supposed to be expelled away from your body, and you're going to be breathing back in some of your own carbon dioxide. You're not getting a full breath of air. You're getting...
1: So tasty.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're you're hindering your breathing. You're also... There was an article I saw of synthetic fibers um deep in the lungs of mask wearers that you know if you have this synthetic thing over your face and you're filtering your air well yes some of those particles fibers will eventually appear in your lungs. i also heard,
0: I've heard all sorts of crazy things, like eye doctors wow. saying something about like the moisture like coming up because it you know, forces the air up towards your eyes. I, uh, I can't remember the details of it, yeah, but there wow. some eye doctors dentists, saying something. That I spoke to a dentist who to, said,
2: yeah, people are losing yes, their teeth more than dentists, before. It, it ruins the microbiome yes. of the mouth. So it's just so, so silly to do something that, that will have an effect and kind of assume that you're not having an effect. That's just not smart people. You know, and then, of course, the educational effects on children and the, the effects in terms of their psychological development. I mean, okay. that um, is infuriating, actually, you know, because my son was a direct victim of that. And I noticed how every day he was coming home or not coming home because I, I pick him up at school, and I would notice every day as soon as he exited school, his, he was congested. He had a stuffy nose. He had a runny nose. His mask wasn't clean. It was just basically having a petri dish on his face the entire day i mean that's my other basic you know comment about the mask is well why is it not basically the equivalent of just having a petri dish on your face and i really believe that if that type of thing were effective we would have all been raised wearing masks you know whether it not be every day then in cold and flu season your grandmother would have said don't forget your mask we all would have been raised like that. It wouldn't have been something that was thrown right. at us suddenly as part of this event. But um,
0: yeah, this, this is something I'm writing an article about right now. Oh, nice. um, it's in terms of sort of the gender issue and like child development and you know how kids experiment. Well with you read my identity.
2: mind. I wanted, I wanted to talk yeah. about that next.
0: Okay, well, I was just, and I'm writing an article about how, like, my mom just, she didn't need anybody to come in and guide her through this. Like, she just knew, like, oh, kids play pretend, Right. you know? Kids and anyway, so that that's what I'm writing an article about. I did want to say one more thing on the mask Please. issue, and Please. I hope that your son is doing better. I mean, you, you can he, see he really tell, he really is. Like how how like much of a connection you guys have, and you know, hopefully, being able to see your faces and connecting with you has been able to like help him through that. He is he, he is just the most gorgeous hair too. Like, oh,
2: thank you. So. <laughs> My, my little golden boy.
0: Yeah. Um, well, the video's black and white, but still, he's just... Uh, a
2: such yeah, no, he's doing right. really he's well. Doing well. He is, thank um, you. But I
0: did want to say, um, in, when I started my YouTube channel, I started saying this thing at, and, and on my Instagram when I would start a video, and I still say it. Um, I say, hello, hello, all those beautiful faces. No, I love that tag. And love. I would say to my students, too. Uh, and I just think it's funny that you know, the, the poetry of life is that I'm saying like, show me your beautiful face. You know, I love, I love that you're here. Thank you for being here because I love who you are. Right. Everybody right. has a beautiful face. Right. Um, and, and then what do? They, do? they go and they go and cover those up. Right. So it went from being this, this metaphor to being actually this little, I'm sorry, literal thing. Like, like, you have a beautiful face. I want to see it. Take off the mask, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but now that, of course, has transitioned, if you will, right. into the gender issue. There's so many parallels.
2: Yeah. I mean, we're both parents. How old is your son, by the way?
0: He's seven and a half.
2: Oh, okay. Wow. for some, He's tall, right? He seemed kind of... I was like, wow, he's growing yeah, up fast. He's,
0: he's, you know, one of those 90th percentilers.
2: Oh, okay. There you go. So... You know, we both have single-digit age children. I have a son and a three-year-old daughter. And um, it's so concerning, this this agenda, basically. I don't know exactly what to call it. This, this I call it gender confusion, um, all this sexual content that's just frankly inappropriate for kids. You, you know, there's this discussion that they're trying to introduce to children before they could possibly comprehend such matters. And meanwhile, the kids need to learn the basics still, right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? The, the three R's or whatever. It's like, can we get back to the fundamental education stuff and steer away from all of this ideological stuff that a lot of parents are frankly not going to agree with, including myself. What's your take on this atmosphere? and what children are being subjected to.
1: Yeah,
0: I think that it's obvious. It's throughout history. Anybody who wants to change the way that society is molded, they've always targeted the children, and openly so. You can point to the Nazi regime. You can point to uh, Mao in China or you know Stalin in The Soviet Union, you know, name any totalitarian regime, and they have their most intensive programs around the kids because they're blank slates, if you will, right? Right. Um, And I think that that's exactly what's happening here, is that the organizations and institutions which have been set up genuinely in service of our children like genuinely in ser- in service of you know trying to and and i guess if you you can go back to the roots too of public schools and how the state did want to utilize those but i would say most people's like local public school you know what people think of their community school they think about more like the one room schoolhouse, right they their people, their community. Um, they want their kids to learn the basics, things like that. Um, but these institutions are being weaponized to mold our children in a way that I think disagrees, you know, what do you call the American values? Um, more, it's like traditional values. It's not traditional values. It's literally like growing up in the 90s. Like, I grew up in the 90s. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm not talking about, like, we're not going back to the 90s. It's not like
2: Little House on the Prairie or something, right?
0: <laughs> I say traditional values, like, I don't know what that means anymore. Like, I'm literally just talking about, like, growing up in the 90s. Like, I dressed like a boy. If you look at pictures of me when I was anywhere between second and seventh grade, you know, maybe even into eighth grade, really wasn't until high school when I sort of like, I mean, even now, like, I'm quite an androgynous female, I would say. Um, but I dressed like a little boy. People would call me funny all the time. And my parents let me do it. Right. But my parents were not like, oh, do you want to be a boy? Right. You know, like, they were just like, the power no, of like, suggestion. Not, you know, she's a girl, she, my parents thought I was gay, you know, they probably thought I wanted to be gay, and I liked to play hockey, you know, I was a, definitely like a blocks and a trucks kind of kid, climbing all over the place, mm-hmm. you, and you can see my two little sisters, like, all being like a, a polo shirt and khakis, and my sisters are in like velvet dresses right. for our Christmas picture, so it's like a stark contrast. Right. Um, and you can definitely see, like, my sisters were more, and still are, more, like, traditional females. Um, so I'm not talking about, like, some 1960s traditionalism. I'm literally talking about the thing that was okay two seconds ago until we all, like, tripped and fell and, like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, this giant car crash that's happening and we're just, like, stuck in it. Like, we've kind of hit our heads and then some of us are a little hurt, but other ones, you know, like when everybody just like sits there and looks at the accident instead of passing by, like, Right.
2: are you open to Ooh. taking calls? Yeah. Um, do we have any callers on the line by any chance? Oh yeah. So, um, I think we already have a call on the line and by the way, yeah, we oh, have 15 minutes that. to go. So, um, if you want to jump into the action here and talk to, Medical freedom fighter and educator, founder of TeachingLiberty.org. Stephanie Edmonds, give us a call: eight 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 seven four four eight eight eight. And uh, we have Noel on the line. Noel, yes, pardon Noel, me. Noel. Uh, pardon me, Noel. How you doing, brother? Yes, fine.
1: Jeremiah, uh, congratulations. I've been trying to actually reach you.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, I did realize that. Since
1: since the, you began, when you? I think the first day you began you had a technical difficulty
2: oh yeah yeah and, right i remember that we we i could hear your voice and and you couldn't hear mine and yeah. right 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 but but anyway I just, wanted, <laughs> I
1: just want to give a little bit of my resume i'm re, i'm a retired uh air force okay. uh, i was in iraqi freedom okay i volunteered uh, at the world trade center etc etc
2: wow okay
1: um i just want to give one minute of silence because my phone has not rung. I was a former uh, New York City um, power professional. Hmm. Nobody, nobody, was my background. Nobody calls me, wow. and I put in resume after resume after resume. You know, we, we were trained almost like doctors. You know what I'm saying? And this is, and this is the kind of disrespect from the mayor from the borough of Presidents and all that. How do you urge somebody, Jeremiah, and, and your guests? I'm sorry, what's her name, Stephanie? Stephanie, yes. How do you, how do you make a mistake? Like say if I said um, I, I stepped on you or Stephanie's uh, uh, sh- uh, feet, I'm supposed to say I'm sorry for doing that, right, right if right. I made a mistake. Where, is where are they to say, hey, I'm sorry, all, all you got to do is come back into the DOE building and you automatically get your job back. No, you treat me as if I'm, as if I'm a leper.
2: Right. Good point. You know,
1: um, uh, uh, and, and again, how is it the borough presidents and the mayor and the, um, governor who all have backgrounds in law that you break the law and it's okay.
2: Right. Like Obama being a constitutional expert somehow.
1: Exactly. And, and, <laughs> and, he, and he reauthorized the uh, National Defense Authorization Act, for example. Now, the uh, other thing, since I mentioned my medical background, it, the uh, masks are measured in something called microns. Okay? Hmm. Okay. It's, it's almost like uh, a micron. Just think of uh, Stephanie and, and Jeremiah. Think of a picket fence cannot a mosquito or fly fly through a picket fence right that was the old yeah, analogy that's the same thing right so you could wear eight masks the the virus is smaller than the microns of the filter right
2: you know what i call it i called it running from the air the yeah run, the run from the air strategy keep running from yeah, the air yes
1: so i just wanted to um uh put my two cents in because i know you're coming up to the top of the hour, but uh, I'm, I'm still waiting. Now, one positive note is uh, there is a principal that I'm waiting on hmm. to nominate me to teach. And I, I don't know, every time I call there, they say, I'm going to do it, and it doesn't happen. So uh, I don't know what's going on, because they said there's a certain budget or whatever the case may be. So um, so, that's, so I'm, I'm kind of like in limbo, you know? Right. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to hold up the, the line. Thank you, uh, Jeremiah. I'm glad Gary Knoll uh, and you, and others put you on because I always remember you calling you trees.
2: Yeah, I'm a and, big fan. Uh,
1: and now here
2: you are. Well, thank you so much, Noel. Yeah, thank um, you
1: so much for your service and
0: uh, everything you do. And, um, you know, the I think that part of the mandates were to weed out certain types of teachers. Right, or, okay. And it doesn't have to be teachers, anybody right? working for the city, because it was all the different departments. And we're not, they, we don't suit their preferred narrative and, and, and plans. But right. I also see it as a blessing, because yeah. we've been called into this role, and that there's something that we're supposed to be doing out here. Right? we don't need to to be in there in their system out here building our own thing pushing back and uh, I appreciate you thank you so much for calling in
2: yeah okay. thank you please call back soon and I think we have Ed from California on the line not my brother Ed from Queens but this is Ed from California unless Ed from Queens is on vacation <laughs> thanks for taking my call Jeremiah oh thank One you thing for I calling I mention. Real quickly about masks. Yes, Gary please. No one over this. Yes, please. Originally,
1: before the uh, pandemic shutdown, mm-hmm. if you go to pubmed.org. Mm-hmm. It gives all sorts of science. PubMed, which
0: is the public health, it's the government's own website. It gives all sorts of science on if you
1: wear masks, it actually, you can develop cardiopulmonary obstructive disease because the fibers can get into the lungs. Wow. Tiny fibers that we can't see because of the masks and gary no went over that uh before the government uh shut down hmm. um also thank i'd like you. to say that i tried to get a job at
0: an employment center here in california and they told me i needed to show vaccination papers
1: because i never got the jab and i never will so yeah, thanks for don't. taking my call
2: well, yeah. well thank you for calling in and making that great observation and that's actually uh, you know there was osha which was the um you know, I don't know, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's like the industrial hygiene sort of body that said specifically, don't wear masks for a prolonged period of, of time. Like we're literally just violating the basic protocol that existed around those objects. I, some of the best commentary I've ever heard about masks was from Dr. Lee Merritt, who made a great point, which is, she said, look, I wore a mask in a medical setting as a surgeon, for almost 40 years, not under the misconception that it was a means of stopping respiratory viruses from being transmitted. She was like, you have to understand when someone is sick, the air around them um, is just flowing, if they're contagious, is flowing in, through, and around the mask like it's absolutely nothing. So um, it really kind of saddens me to see people on the train still wearing their masks. And, uh, you know, we, we just don't need to participate in this theater anymore. We need to take care of ourselves, take care of our health in a real way, not in, in some ridiculous way. A good friend of mine who I was in communication with throughout this whole thing out in California, actually like our last caller, he said, you know, I have just realized the best thing to do is literally the opposite of what we've been advised to do don't stay inside, go outside, walk, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D, which is key for your immune system, get some exercise when you go outside, ideally. Don't be afraid of people. Fear itself is a immune system suppressant and just generally not good for your health. I mean, you can't just stay in a fight or flight state of mind and think that it's not going to create a negative effect in your body. I mean, we do have to honor as well as we can the mind-body connection as well. You know, your state of mind is a big portion, a big portion. We don't really know, I think, to what extent, but some people would say your health is mostly determined by your mind. Some people say, oh, well, it's just a percentage of it, but either way, it's a relevant factor. We don't actually know to this day why people live as long as they do and die when they do. I mean, of course, there's a number of things you can do to improve your health and things you can avoid, but it's still rather mysterious. There's an interesting book called, I'm not sure if I mentioned the title on this program before. I've, I've been intrigued by this book for a long time, even though I don't own a copy called dead doctors don't lie. And the premise of the book is that doctors actually don't have a very high life expectancy. Um, in general, which is kind of contradictory considering. Yeah.
0: I think that there's like a lot of those like high intense professions, whether it's being a doctor that's doing surgery and responding to emergencies or has to do these weird hours where you're on call or you're working overnight shifts and, you know, going against your circadian rhythm, um, firemen, policemen, um, I don't know, other just, like, uh, working in, like, industrial jobs, things like that. They all have lower life expectancy. Well, first of all, some of those are actually more dangerous jobs, but also they just say, like, the intensity of them. You're constantly, like, in a stressful state. So, um, yeah, I can definitely see that. And, of course, when you're adding all these other external factors, it's only going to be multiplying those impacts and I think that's unfortunately what we're sort of seeing and what part of the point of this period this gale of normalcy is to be able to disconnect a lot of these impacts from one of the largest traumatic events that probably most people have experienced in their lifetime um, I mean I wasn't around during the Soviet <laughs> the Soviet Union you know, the Cold War when they were doing those like duck and tuck right or, like get on your guy violent battle, you know how intense the propaganda I think it's different right they didn't have social media they they didn't have a phone in their hand the whole time so I mean again even until the 90s like kids played on like, kids played out. my mom literally would not let us in the house if it was a nice day there's no way that we would be allowed to be at home. Like we had to be out playing with our friends, riding our bikes, you know, whatever it was like around the neighborhood.
2: Right. Um, we're kind of running out of time here. Unfortunately. Um, I want to mention for sure that I'm going to be featured on tonight's show, which, uh, is on at 5 PM right here on PRN. Live, a different angle. And I got to, uh, kick it with, um, with Kyle and, uh, and Rob
0: very cool very cool. alright 5pm I'll see if I can catch that I'm going to be carting around my son
2: and but uh yeah I mean yeah, you, you can also check
0: I'm sorry I was cool. like no
2: not Rob Rod how could I forget that's like my favorite basketball player from the Bronx Rod Strickland right <laughs> Rod, I was kicking it with Kyle and Rodney Um, But please, everyone, please check out my Substack. I have a new Substack article that just came out that I'm really excited about called Conspiracy Theory. You're misusing the term. Um, That's one of the most overused and I would say misused phrases of the past 3.5 years. And um, I think I address it pretty thoroughly in this article. So... Please subscribe to my Substack. I'm just inching my way up the mountainside. We also have this show um, archived now. So please um, share the archives of this program with your friends, anyone who may appreciate our discussion. Um, it's a word of mouth grassroots kind of effort right here. So uh, we really appreciate you tuning in don't forget to check out dot org. there's incredible resources over there please check out my website jeremiahosea.com, and um look me up on substack and we're looking forward to next week already we're going to have another lively edition of the baseline so thanks everyone and we'll see you in a week peace and love yeah. thanks stephanie
0: thank you so much i really appreciate it